It's time for Larry No Sports, featuring John Big Ten Blue and the Sacramento Chicken, Marcus Haugen. Tonight's special guest. He is the host of the King's Pulse podcast, the voice of the Sacramento Kings, Brendan Nunes. And I'm your host, Larry. For joining the program. Thank you all for joining the program. Uh, you host the Kings podcast, and we've been kind of going around the league trying to find out what we can about where different franchises are and what they might be thinking. And uh, to set the stage a little bit, so the Kings, and I'm a Knicks fan, so I mean this with ultimate respect, we're one of the kind of dumb teams around the league for a little bit. And um, it's, it's, it seems like they they were going to really push for the playoffs, but then they shook up their front office. They just hired Monty McNair, who's from the, the Daryl Morey tree. And now they have a bunch of directions they could go. And, and hopefully for your sake, they're going to go in good directions. So what... Uh, as a Kings fan, what are you kind of hoping in like a general sense or what do you think they should do as far as like going all in, trying to make the playoffs, blowing it up somewhere in between? Yeah, for me, I think it's a retooling. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I love the <laughs> intro. I love the energy going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for for Sacramento, I think that they need to find a way to get younger. I don't think you absolutely blow everything up. You know, I think you keep Fox and Bagley on the roster, but, you know, Bagley's 20 and Fox is 22. After that, the guys that are getting a lot of minutes, Harrison Barnes is 27. Buddy Heald and Bogey are both 27. Uh, Bielitsa is 31. It's just not, those are not players that are going to be on the next, like, really good, likely even playoff or maybe out of the first round Kings team, if that's even possible at this point. Um, so I think that they need to retool a little bit when there's going to be a little bit of a decision between buddy and bogey. Likely. I think they both want to be starters in the league is what it's pointing at here. And understandably, they're both very good players. Um, so I, I think it's got to be a little bit of a retooling and bringing in some more young talent to really build around the timeline of, of De'Aaron Fox here. Right, so he's like the one. I mean, he's definitely the one like prize asset that you guys have. Uh, he's a great point guard, and coming up, I guess, on his extension timeline. So keeping him and and building around his timeline. I I guess what I would see as the hard part is because he's about to go on. To, well, he still has a year, but then he's going on to his next contract. Um, if you start trading away assets to try and pick up draft picks 
is it possible that he'll be become a little bit beyond the timeline of when the next crop of good players rise? I, I think it is, but I think that if you just keep swinging for the eight seed, there's a good chance that that's your ultimate ceiling. And I think that that in the same way could be a waste of the timeline of Fox and you know, the amount of time that you have to work with him there. So I think that you need to be shooting for further than the eight seed. You know, the the acquisitions that they made last offseason, I'm not saying they need to come and blow absolutely everything up, but like the acquisitions last offseason, which I actually was a fan of, but ended up biting him in the butt of, you know, Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph, like these are very veteran players. And in hindsight, probably should have taken um, a swing on a little bit of some younger guys or like the Harry Giles situation. They declined his player option and in all likelihood uh, are not going to be able to resign him because they're limited in what they can offer him. And that's one of the only like promising, you know, he's 21 years old, second youngest guy on the roster. It really makes no sense. Like you need to, the team, if they're going to be good again, is around De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley still kind of this home run swing. Um, but I, the point he's at right now, I don't think that you sell low or anything like that. So I don't think that they absolutely need to tear everything down, but they just need to have a little bit more promising of a future aside from De'Aaron Fox or else, you know, like is the current roster, you know, not far from what its peak is or is its peak a seven, six seed. And while sure that's an improvement for what it's been for Sacramento in, you know, the last decade and a half, I think you need to aim a little bit higher than that. So yeah, it's not tear everything down, but, you know, like look around, what can you get for buddy or bogey? Or if, if for Sean Holmes, who was a really big breakout player for them, if he can move you up a spot even or two in the draft and something like that, like just don't get attached to some of these older guys that are probably already in the their career. Yeah. Um, I guess you said uh, bogey or healed at one point. Do you think they have to choose between the two or or do, or do you think it makes sense to kind of try to move both of them? I think that, you know, if you could get good value for both of them, that it probably would make sense. But at the same time, like, I mean, they are, they're valuable players. And I think it's going to come down this off season, or if not this off season by the deadline that one of them is off the roster, because again, they, they both want to be starters um, you know, Buddy did get moved to the bench in the middle of this year, and that did really well for the play of the Kings. But Buddy was not shy about saying he wasn't the most happy being in that mm-hmm. role. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's the one they end up moving on from. So, yeah, I think it's likely a situation where you're stuck choosing between one of the two. And, and yeah, I mean, it's a weird time to do it with Buddy just about to kick into that extension and, you know, potentially even being viewed as a negative asset by some people around the league. I think it's going to vary a lot team to team and in bogey. I mean, like what's, what are you going to get in a sign and trade for bogey? If that is the case, like, you know, is the Malcolm Brogdon deal comparable where you're getting a late first round pick or something like that? Um, I don't think it's, that's a horrible return. So my guess is that they end up moving on from one of them either this offseason or more likely by the end of the trade deadline and the other one can stay around as the starting shooting guard for a little while here. Uh, Brendan, I'm curious because I read that uh, the Bucks had at least had internal discussions about 
whether it'd be worth it to do something less like offering a real return for bogey as opposed to like we want bogey and we'll get you out from under the Harrison Barnes contract and that's sort of the incentive for you and what your thoughts are about something like that versus like a first round pick. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, you know, I think that likely means that Bledsoe would be the return uh, to make the salary work. So that is a little bit of Milwaukee dumping their own money as well. So I think that Sacramento would be able to pull, a, you know, DiVincenzo or a DJ Wilson or maybe that Indiana first rounder that they have sitting at uh, pick 24. So I think that Sacramento would be able to get a little bit back since they would need to match salary. And yeah, the Barnes deal, I it's an overpay, but I think that Barnes, because he's overpaid, has become a pretty underrated player in the league. I think that he's a just a solid all-around guy that I can't point to a major weakness in his game. He's not elite in any skill either, but I think that if he were to be on a championship-level team, like he would be a really good player for a team like Milwaukee um, or some sort of that situation. So I think that even if you know Barnes was part of the deal – that Sacramento would be able to get a little bit of something back, assuming that Bledsoe is the returning piece there. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at with that. And also Sacramento has the reason that Barnes kind of got overpaid. They are just forever not been able to get a small forward on this team that can guard anybody of that position. And Barnes can do that at a solid level at least. Um, so, you know, I, I don't hate writing out the Barnes contract if it comes to that. I don't feel like there's this need to dump him. Yeah, I, I'm i in a similar thought right now for the Knicks uh, as far as taking on contracts like maybe a Bledsoe or something like that for assets in return because I don't think they'll be... They're definitely not competing this year, and I, I don't see them really in the like Giannis sweepstakes the next season or anything like that. So it's going to be a few years anyway. So what's the harm in riding out the Barnes deal? Um, and the value gets a little better each year you knock off of it. Oh, yeah. It's a declining contract. Right. Yeah. Right. Same with the buddy deal. Oh, right, right. Um, Marcus, where are you at in terms of like, because I remember previously you thought that the Kings should just like blow up everything entirely. Yeah, I mean, I hear you about the timeline stuff. I think, like, especially coming into, like, this season, like, they had seemed like they were going to be sort of, like, a fun team, which, like, been a Kings fan all my life, and it's been a long time since they've been a fun team. Like, it's mostly just felt sort of desperate and hopeless from game one going forward. Mm -hmm. And so to see just sort of the momentum flounder and Buddy healed did look good off the bench, but certainly like having just signed the deal, not necessarily looking like amazing. I think I got pretty down on the whole process this year and it was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's time to completely start this thing over. And I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, if we're like riding out the Barnes deal, et cetera, is that, basically like we're looking at least a few more years of like real fringy playoff team at best. And then maybe by like the tail end of the Fox extension, there's actually some good pieces there. Yeah. What I think of is, you know, this draft class is subpar at the top, but there's some okay depth. I think Sacramento could get a 
decent piece at 12. And I think that that's the situation they're in. They should take a swing on upside rather than, you know, one of these four year guys or someone that doesn't have as quiet, as high of a ceiling, but a high floor guy. I think they need to go for the ceiling. They need to go for a home run swing here. And when I look at the Western conference next, next year, like the Kings are the third worst team in that conference, Mm -hmm. even if things go right for them. And the 2021 class is really loaded. You know, my understanding is that there's about seven, eight guys that would go first if, if they were in this draft class. So I, I think that there is a path where, you know, it's just one more year of really just not looking great before you get this cornerstone guy. Um, And I, I don't think that, it's crazy to consider. I I don't think that they're doing this. I don't think that they will, but I don't think it's crazy to consider completely blowing it up. And that includes like De'Aaron Fox. He's probably your best asset, right? So if you're talking about what you could get in return and, you know, Monty McNair coming from a very aggressive tree, like you mentioned, Daryl Morey, I don't think it's completely out of the picture. Again, I don't think that that's happening, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. And I would see the logic behind it for sure. But right now I, I think that You know, you get a guy that has a high upside at 12 or maybe if they decide to move up a little bit with using some of their three second rounders or anything like that. Or like I mentioned, Holmes, something in that range. And you see what you have with him and see what you can get for Buddy Bogey and Bialica and little things like that. And then really you need this season, obviously, Marvin Bagley to be healthy because he's such a wild card. It's I don't think the team has any clue really like much of what they're working with here he was always a project guy that in my mind was going to take two three years to be a positive impact on the floor and every time he's been out there right now he's been horrible um I mean, he's put up some decent individual numbers, but the team is way worse with him out there. I don't think that it's clear if he's a four or a five in the league, which is extremely rough on either end of the floor. I I don't know what position he plays. And being a project guy, like I said, that it was going to take a couple years to even be productive. He probably took a step back this year, which is the exact opposite of what you need a guy like him to do. So I think next season is you figure out what you have with Bagley and and then I think you're really just looking at that 2021 draft. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, and I like the idea of moving those other guys like Bielicka, uh Bogey, and Heald, who are decent players, who I think you could still get something from. Um, thinking about, as you were saying that about Bogey, um, a trade popped in my mind of him to the Lakers for, say, Danny Green, and they, I think, have the 27th pick or 28th pick. Would you do something like that? Um, You know, I I probably would think that you might be able to get a better return for that. Like if you can convince the Lakers to throw Kuzma in the Mm -hmm. deal, you know, something like that, which I don't think is completely out of the picture. Um, So I I don't hate it, but I I just think that you could probably get something better for that. yeah, like, you know, Milwaukee seems like they could potentially be interested. I think Philly's an interesting spot, specifically for Buddy, um, that you could maybe get some draft assets for. Um, yeah, and I have a couple Buddy ideas in mind trade-wise, but, like, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy that unless Memphis feels really confident, or I'm sorry, that Dallas feels really confident that they want to keep that max space because, you know, maybe they're in these Giannis sweepstakes or something like that. But if they're willing to kind of take in a guy like Buddy into what is already a really good offense and he wouldn't need the ball in his hands, 
I don't think it's crazy to say that, you know, Buddy Heald and Tim Hardaway Jr. are matching uh, matching salaries. Hardaway would come in as an expiring deal and Dallas throws in the 18th pick. Like, I don't think that that's too crazy and it's an okay return. You're clearing up a little bit of money and you make a clear starting spot for Bogdanovich there. So I would hope for like a late teen sort of return that you're talking about if you're talking a draft asset um, for one of those guys. But yeah, I, I wouldn't hate 28 in return. I just think that you could get better. Yeah, and I could see the Lakers throwing in Kuzma there too. But I don't know if you want Kuzma. I mean, it's something, I guess, and it, yeah. it kind of goes against me saying that you need to actually get young guys instead of these like pseudo young guys that just spent forever playing overseas or four years in college or something like that. Kuzma doesn't quite fit that, but it's just a step in the right direction. And I think the main thing that I'm going to look at for Monty McNair is like we're going to really see, in my opinion, what his philosophy is if he agrees with me that this team needs to get younger based on who he takes at 12 in the draft this year because there's clearly the safe guys and then there's the high upside ones that you kind of take a swing on and I'm hoping that's where he's leaning towards um so so you mentioned some ideas for buddy heel trade um yeah give us one you think would be interesting yeah I I threw out the um the Dallas one that I think could totally be on the table. And, you know, I I don't think that Kings fans would like it all too much, but like Philadelphia's in a fairly desperate situation and Al Horford's a bad deal, but it's a year less than Mm -hmm. Buddy Heald's contract. And I think that he would be a really good mentor to Marvin Bagley. Um, He's a bit slower, obviously, and at the tail end of his career, but you know, I, from my understanding is that you wouldn't be able to get Matisse Thibel in the deal, but if you could pull back someone like that, um, I, I would love Thibel on this team or even the 21st pick that would just be more about clearing up this log jam that you have, you know, um, or another situation where, you know, Sacramento has too many guys at the shooting guard right now. And Indiana has two centers on their roster. So I think that, you know, there's a potential Miles Turner and Buddy Heald swap. There would be a little bit more guys that need to be included on each side to make money work. Um, but I, I think that that's another little bit of an interesting situation. You're getting a little bit younger. Miles Turner, hypothetically, is a really good fit next to Marvin Bagley. So I, I think that that's kind of the sort of deals you're working with there. And yeah, it's just going to be interesting because I'm honestly unsure of Buddy Heald's value and how he's looked at in the league on that contract when you see guys like like why would Atlanta you know they're they're rumored to be trading six for veteran presence right which Buddy Hill hasn't been in the league that long but I think he might qualify a little bit I guess with his age right yeah yeah. um but why would in my mind why would they trade for Buddy Heald when they can sign Joe Harris at half the price yeah um Mm. and so I, I think that yeah, his value's a little weird from just so many shooters popping up in the league since this started. And and honestly, like it's hard to not point to Luke Walton in this as well. Um, Walton terribly misutilized Buddy Heald specifically. You know, the pace really slowed down. And I, I try to cover and be a little optimistic at times and say maybe that's just because Bagley wasn't on the floor. But Buddy Heald really struggled 
from the pace slowing down as well. I think that it limited the decision-making that he had to do, and that may have plummeted his value a little bit. He was out there asking to guard Devin Booker at times, and I'm just not understanding why that's the case. Or when he moves to the bench, um, he is the primary ball handler, and sure, Buddy has a good shot off the dribble, but if he's initiating the offense and trying to make plays for others, it's probably not a good formula. So it definitely doesn't help that he signs this big deal that was, I felt good about at the time. I felt like it was about a fair value, but then to have a down year after that, which may be due to coaching, I will say, you know, also maybe there's a chance that buddy was like, you know, I just want to be initiating the offense more and maybe it was more around buddy. Um, But yeah, I think that, it's probably, again, late teen sort of value that you're working with if you're talking a draft pick or you have to look for a situation where they also are just looking for a little bit of a roster shakeup, like I mentioned with Indiana or um, Philadelphia. Yeah, I like the Philadelphia one because um, Philly would save some money by giving back Horford and you guys only have an, one ex, uh, one less year with Horford than Buddy and they'd throw in the 21st pick, maybe yeah. maybe even Zaire Smith as well or something but if like you that. talk about like speed being a problem bringing out Horford in certainly isn't going to help right (laughs) right Right. but at the same time like uh, yeah while I'm against you know some of these veteran guys I think you need a little bit of that presence on the roster um and weirdly the guys they have I don't even know if they qualify as that because they're just like such in this middle range and I think the idea would just be really teaching Marvin Bagley because I think that while they're different in regards to athleticism and speed, they play a somewhat similar position um, in regards to being these very versatile players on the offensive end. And I think that, you know, Sacramento was allowed the highest field goal percentage at the rim last season. And Rashawn Holmes felt like a phenomenal defender at times. And I think that that was simply him being overrated because I think he was a good defender, but, you know, Sacramento after Holmes is bringing in Marvin Bagley or Harry Giles as the backup center or Dwayne Dedman that somehow forgot to play basketball. Um, So I think that it was more of the rim protection on the team is absolutely horrible. And that's the one thing that I feel like Horford can still do at a decent level and being able to. I've always felt like, you know, this is the reason I love the Deadman fit, admittedly, was that Bagley needed a guy that was going to be able to be the four on the offensive end because Bagley is best when he's going to the rim. So he needs a guy that's able to space the floor for him, but a five on defense because Bagley's not a rim protector at this point. And I think that Horford fits that mold. He he's obviously later in his career and a step slower and you're right. Wouldn't work great with the pace, but I think that it would be a really good mentor for Bagley and be able to switch it up. And if Bagley's healthy, then you know, a lot of your minutes when you're trying to run, Bagley goes at the five and Horford's sitting on the bench. And I think at this point in his career and how much he's getting paid that he'd have a better attitude with that than, than Buddy has. Oof. I mean, I to be honest with you, uh, it still worries me, I think, a little bit, just like what happened this year where, like, like in theory, shouldn't he have been sort of doing that role in Philadelphia with Embiid, who is very much a five on offense, mm-hmm. and it just didn't seem to work having him sort of do yeah. a four-five. No, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, I don't think this is like an ideal situation or anything. I just think that there's a good chance that, you know, like at this point, I think Buddy has done everything but ask out of Sacramento. Yeah. And 
like reading the tea leaves, he pretty much has. And I don't think it's, it's crazy that you're going to get an exact statement of that happening. So yeah, it's just because this is a little bit of an unideal situation. Um, I, I would obviously prefer the, the Dallas deal that I mentioned or an Indiana deal, something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely not the biggest fan of it. I just try to talk myself into it cause I could see it as a potentially being one of the limited options that Sacramento has if they have to deal buddy. Sure. Another one I could possibly see is healed to Boston for, uh, Gordon Hayward, assuming they, he picks up his option and, and one of their three first round picks. Yeah. And I don't mind that. Um, it, you know, I think that Hayward is a, is a really good player actually, assuming that he can stay healthy as well. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're shedding three years worth of salary, especially if it's a guy that doesn't want to be there. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. I, I, yeah, I, I like that one as well. And I'll throw out also like, you know, Aaron Gordon, Buddy Heald swap. I, I don't think sounds terrible. It's better than the Horford one that you're working with there. And um, also my co-host has, had written this one up. I'll throw you in a next one and okay. see what you think here. And this is just, you give us a mixed bag and we hope one of them hits. What do you think of pick 27, Knox, Nilakina, and Dennis Smith Jr. for Heald? Um, I, I would never trade Frank Nilakina. Uh, I, I figured to, that would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> you will have to pry him out of my cold, dead hands. Um, even without that, even if it was just Knox and Dennis Smith and the 27th, that is, that is good value in return healed. Um, but, but I'm not sure I really want him on this team because for the same reason that the Kings may not want him. It's right. just like, what, what is, what does he do for you over the next three years? Right. Yeah. And this is where, you know, the, the conversations confusing because I think that, you know, playoff teams, if they talk about having buddy healed, like what is he, is he that much better than a JJ Redick and, and Redick slowed down a little bit at this point in his career. And, you know, you could say Buddy does it better off the dribble. But the point being, like, Redick gets played off the floor on the defensive end at time in the playoffs. And I think that Heald could be that exact same situation. And I don't think you want to be giving 20-plus million dollars to a guy that can't even stay on the floor in the playoffs. And rebuilding teams are like he kind of what you just said. Like, it's the same reason that Sacramento probably doesn't love him. He isn't the most conducive to really raising the ceiling of your team. I think he raises the floor a good little bit because you know he can drop 20 points a night he can solely win you games by was it 13 threes in boston 40 points and, and things like that but yeah he's just such a a weird player at, at this point where i think it's just gonna really take a specific team that has secretly liked him for a little while here or or sees the fit making a lot of sense um or is desperate like like philadelphia mm-hmm John, uh, do you have any thoughts on heels or even trade ideas with Heald? I like the Boston one. I feel like they would go for it. I just saw this week that Hayward wants out, right? Yeah, I, I don't really know what the deal is with him. There's some thought that he is thinking of declining his option, but I can't see that. I can't see that. I think, I mean, unless he's going to get years in exchange, right. right? Like that's the only reason you de- decline an option like that when you're as oft injured as, as he is. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they what they do. I this Bagley thing, it's it's crazy because I feel like the Luca thing right. is going to be hanging around his neck his whole career, and he's basically like Greg Oden or Sam Bowie or you know Darko Milicic, yep. like some guy who got taken right before an all timer and. Like he's, so he's got the injuries. He's, he's, a, he was raw to begin with. And now he's got this that like is constantly going to be thrown in his face. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a lot. And I understand not wanting to sell low, but I mean, if you start making other decisions, you're cutting out a little bit around like maybe being something it's like, then it's then it's like oh then you're doubling down on a bad hand potentially versus a Sixers thing where you're like hey Orlando Magic do you want our you know number one pick that is only one year old in the league um, yeah I don't know I'm interested to see what they do with Bega I, I would I would love it if he works out I'm a Mori guy I'm a Rockets fan so you know I'm hoping his tree blossoms so I would love I would love to. I would love to see like some smart GMing out of Sacramento because I think it's a great basketball town. I really do. I just, I don't know. I don't see it with Bagley. I don't know, but, but I hope, I really hope. Yeah. I'm with you that I'm pretty out on Bagley, but again, yeah, I just think it's such a like terrible time to sell on him unless, you know, there is a team that's interested. Like, you know, you hear people say that if Bagley was in this draft, he would go first. Um, Sure, but at this point, what he's two years in the league and can't can't even play for he's missed more games than he's played. So it's just such a weird situation. I think that you know maybe if there was a specific team like like Cleveland or something like that that you were interested, I think that you make the phone calls. I just think that what you're getting back is very low level offers um, that you know are. Like Bagley has the upside there. Technically, if he stays healthy, like the fit with Fox makes a lot of sense. If you're running in transition, I think that those two players are extremely fluid and quick guys that totally could make that work together. So I, I think you just kind of have to hold out hope because the value you get back would suck. And yeah, even past Luca, like if Jaron Jackson was the pick, you know, like it, it just, yeah, that one hurts. That one hurts. I could, I could imagine Boston being interested in Bagley since um, center is kind of the only position where they don't have a really young rising star and they'd be willing to take a chance on him. Um, and maybe if you were to do something like Heald and Bagley for Gordon Hayward and all three of their first round picks this year, something I could kind of see. I don't know if you would go for that or if you're still, or if you still want to see what Bagley could do. Um, you know, I would consider it, but it's probably hold on to Bagley. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate that though. I, I think it could be within the realms of possibilities, but I, I would assume that they're kind of willing to hold on to Bagley. But I think at the same time, Monty McNair being brought in, that wasn't his mistake. Yeah. So I, I don't right. think that he has any attachment to Bagley. And I think that that is really good for the front office. And just the fact that it is like a competent front office now, you know, they're building it out. It's not this ex player and another ex player being the assistant GM who, you know, supposedly is like super disrespected throughout the league. Like they have a legitimate front office now 
And at very least, that gives me a little bit of hope that the limited amount of assets that they have to work with, they'll be able to make something out of. Yeah, there aren't many dumb teams left. I mean, I'm, I'm being hopeful that like the Knicks with Leon Rose actually now know what they're doing. Right. But <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but I think the only like teams maybe you could like take advantage of maybe Charlotte, uh, Minnesota, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think Rosas does an okay job in Minnesota. Yeah, there's it, it's it's interesting, but the teams are definitely coming around, and I think there's a crazy amount of Houston like branches from somewhere. Yeah, Rosas in Minnesota. You know, Maury now in Sacramento. I'm sure there's others that I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, it's funny how this this like everywhere in the league. I swear, someone on either your coaching staff or front office is from San Antonio or from Houston at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, move to the draft the, um, where you have the 12th pick. And assuming that they, they were to keep the 12th pick and make it pick there, um, like who are some of the guys you, were th- you would be thinking of as far as swinging for the fences? It's funny because, you know, maybe this is just the case, even if I was Sacramento sitting at 11, but I feel like there's 11 guys in this draft in like a clear tier and then oh, Sacramento really? sits right at 12 and there's a good chance though that that means you know that a certain front office feels differently and takes a swing on someone and one of the guys falls so I think that you know if a Tyrese Halliburton or a Devin Vassell falls to you that you absolutely snag up one of those two guys but the guy that makes a lot of sense for me at 12 that I think there's a good chance he'll get there he's gotten more hype recently so maybe not is Patrick Williams I think he's totally the the upside swing that you take. And again, Sacramento has struggled to find these three fours with with that good size. And yeah, I mean, a six eight guy with ridiculous strength to him as well, and some off the dribble upside potential there. I, I think that like Williams is definitely the guy I'd be looking at at twelve. And if someone manages to fall a little bit, that that's who you consider. Um, and yeah, it's a little rough because a lot of the best guys to me at 12 are are probably going to be point guards. And I don't know if uh, Kyra Lewis works great next to De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey is interesting and could kind of fill that two-guard role, assuming that, you know, you do move on from one of Buddy or Bogey. And then the idea is that Maxey, you know, plays the backup two for a little while while Buddy slash Bogey, whichever one you hold on to, is the placeholder until he works into that role. So I think that's interesting. And, you know, if you want to go for the ultimate home run swing, like Pokusevsky, right? Uh I I don't, I I probably would advise against it, especially if a Patrick Williams is on the board. But again, like, I think that that just shows the right mindset for Sacramento moving forward. So I, I would, I would feel good about a Poku pick just for that case. Yeah. So, so let's see who the eleven who are the eleven who are like in the tier. I guess it would be uh Lamello, Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. Um let's see, I'm looking at a mock draft. Uh Denny. Uh mm-hmm. is Obi Toppin in there for you? Yeah, he is. Him, Killian, yep. uh Killian Hayes, Isaac Okoro, Halliburton, Onyeka, um, Devin Vassell. And then at that point. I, I, so I guess it's probably 10 because I personally think that like Cole Anthony might get swung on by either, you know, maybe 
you probably don't like it for New York, but for <laughs> some reason, I feel like that's a possibility. Oh, I think man, that I hope not. Know, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> I, I think that 10 for Phoenix is a possibility for Cole Anthony there. So it's probably more like about 10 guys. Um, but yeah, and you know, hopefully Patrick Williams isn't that 11th one there. It's interesting that uh, some of the guys who then are in at the number 12 area are, I think, Kyra Lewis and Tyrese Maxey and Sacramento. The only thing they don't need really is a point guard. Because right. the Knicks, I mean, there's been rumors of them doing everything, whether it's trading up, down, or keeping their pick. But a trade down would make sense for a Kyra Lewis or or Maxi, and um, I could I could see them doing that. And Sacramento makes a good partner for that. I'm just trying to think like what would be the exchange that would would uh, make the trade down work, right? I mean, there's there's depth in the draft, and I don't know how interesting it is to you, but like, you know, does pick, I don't know, I mean, you're moving up, what is it, five spots to get to number eight, so you probably have to throw a lot of value. I don't think that you include a future first rounder if you're Sacramento. I think that's the worst thing that you mm-hmm. could do, but you know, does, it probably doesn't, but does pick 35 and a future second rounder or two future second rounders do it? Probably not, probably right? Probably not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a little limited. I was surprised. Like I talked to somebody that covers Washington and, you know, they weren't super opposed to just 12 in homes to move up to number nine. And I was, you know, shocked to hear that that was potentially on the table or he didn't hate the, you know, 35 and a, and another future second to, cause you're only moving up three spots at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I think that it's a possibility to move up, but at the same time, I think that there's a decent chance, you know, there's been years in the past where I'm like, you know, I feel like there's a clear, whatever, 10 guys or something like that. And someone ends up jumping. And then that leads to, you know, I I think we've seen some of these mocks as well, where, you know, I think Kevin O'Connor did one recently where LaMelo falls five spots further than expected, because if one of the two teams that seem to be like the lock to pick him pass on him, all of a sudden he just keeps getting further. And I think that, you know, Halliburton could be that case. I think Onyeka could really be that case. And and Sacramento should totally consider that there. Um, Devin Vassell, I, I think, is really interesting. So I, I think that there's a halfway decent chance that someone ends up falling to them at 12 that at this point I probably don't expect to happen. But I, I think that there's a chance that does end up being the case. Yeah, if I, if I were a Kings fan, I would absolutely love to get Patrick Williams at 12. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's the upside swing, you know, and it's funny because going into the bubble, I actually felt like the team was in a good spot at the end of the season. They were really in a groove and it's like, OK, you're going to get Bagley back. That gives you a little bit of their future. Um, and I was like, you know, I think that you kind of just take a safe guy. I think that uh, Sadiq Bay or an Aaron Neesmith that you just know what they're going to be in the league is kind of what you go for. And then they go to the bubble and completely craft the bed in our you know, debatably the worst team in the bubble, which there was, you know, the Wizards were in the bubble. Um, so, yeah, at this point, I'm like, you know, I think you you probably take an upside swing and and Patrick Williams is is perfect at that spot. Yeah. Yes, I guess Pokachevsky, if like everybody you love, one through 11 gets picked, is a good one at 12. And I've, 
I, I've stuff I've read is that Sadiq Bay is moving up boards right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate him at number twelve if I had the twelfth pick. I also, I also think Maxi's a real possibility. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know he has a prior relationship with the Aaron Fox a bit. They are both being Kentucky guys, and they have a noted uh, little bit of communication going on as well. And I think that Maxi works as a combo guard. You know, primarily, I don't think he's a guy that's going to have his ball, the ball in his hands most of the possessions. And I think that that pairing could could work together. Right. Whereas Kyra is he's very similar to Fox in that he's a very yeah. his speed is his main asset. Right. And yeah, the whole issue, I, I think, you know, positionally a, a lot you're talking about is defense. And I don't think either one of those guys can guard the two while Maxi could. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh Marcus or John, do you have any thoughts about drafting? Oh, I mean, there is part of me that just wants to see what would happen if you put Kyra and Fox together and just let them run around a million miles an hour, like what that offense looks like. I think it would be fun. Not a good team, but just a fun experiment. (laughs) The offense makes sense. You know, I agree with you. I think they can run around and Kyra works really well off the ball as being a good three point shooter. So, yeah, like the offense makes sense. Like if they picked it, I would totally talk myself into it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a cool play, like from a development perspective too, like, right. I can't, I can't help but think about like the Thunder Sonics when they put, they put Russell Westbrook in their point guard and like, yeah, you're not a point guard yet, but just be terrible for a year and we get another and then take James Harden. Right. So I think there's a, I think there's a play there. Yeah. And, and I'm sure uh, Houston would love to dump Westbrook. So if you want to add him to the mix, then it's just oh, going to be yeah. constant no, driving you. and athleticism. No, I think I'm good. And, You're okay. and, you know, I also don't hate, like, I think, you know, Orlando's been rumored recently to potentially want to move up because maybe they like a Kyra Lewis, which is a little confusing to me because I think that where they're sitting at 15, they're going to have a good point guard on the board. Like, I think there's a good chance that one of Cole Anthony, Kyra Lewis, or Tyrese Maxey's on the board. And I think all of those are pretty good fits for them. Um, but, you know, are they willing? Like, recently we saw Dario Saric get thrown in with, I don't have the exact pick in front of me, but Dario Sarge get thrown in with a pick and that moved him up about three spots. And he's one year away from a restricted free agency, right? Is it crazy to say that Orlando would throw Mo Bamba to move up three spots, four spots, if they really liked a point guard like Maxi and didn't think he was going to make it past, you know, Boston or New Orleans that kind of have needs at that point guard spot? I, I think that, you know, trading down would be within the realms of possibility there as well. How about... Um, Aaron Gordon, the 15th pick, uh, for the 12 pick healed and like maybe 35 and like a top 10 protected pick from next year. You lost me at the first, you lost Uh me at the future first rounder. Um, yeah. I mean, if you could do that with, with also yeah 35 and and like you mentioned like what a future second or something right. you lost me at the future first okay. but I, I like what we're working with here yeah because <laughs> that combines the healed and gordon trade and orlando gets their orlando gets their point guard yeah and then 15 if you're not looking well i mean there's going to be as you said there's going to be like cole anthony available probably there um right i, I like jalen smith as you know we're talking this like three and D center that would be a hypothetical good fit with Marvin Bagley. I think he's interesting, you know, Josh green, um, 
so yeah, I mean, like I, I like the depth of this class, you know. So I, I think there's interesting guys and all the second rounders they have. Like I think that Sacramento will be able to get either a really good center or point guard at 35 as well with the depth of this class. So yeah, I, I mean, I think moving from 12 to 15 when you're in a position where you're not looking for a point guard like Sacramento is, you're not losing that much value when it comes to who you're taking in with that pick. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I, I would like to see the Knicks do a trade down. Not necessarily, but it would be it would show forward thinking in like collecting more assets just to move down a few picks. Right. I think the issue is that like y- you feel that way for the for the Knicks. I feel yeah. like that's a possibility for the Kings. Number picks one and two want to move down. Yeah. I think everybody <laughs> would be willing to move down in this draft. Yeah, and that's we were talking about this maybe a week or two ago that it might be a good. Uh, buy low opportunity for anyone to trade up to number one or number two because there may be more sellers than buyers in this draft yeah i think that's totally the case um and yeah i i mean with with it being a new front office i would just love for them to come in and if they trade it up i would just love to see the confidence from that mm-hmm. front office okay this is our guy and you know we moved up to select him and everything i i I would totally buy into that and feel good about the front office, just being confident in that pick and not hesitant and, you know, scared of what the fan base is going to think or anything like that. And coming from Moritree, I mean, I definitely don't think it's out of the picture. Right. And it's confidence and coherence, right? Like, it's like, this makes sense. Our strategy is let's just say it is Bagley. Right. Right. I guess they were confident in Bagley. So (laughs) we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to keep, we're going to keep Bagley. We're going to keep Fox. And then we're going to do this. We're going to take Horford's money because people, you know, we have to spend money somewhere. So we take Horford and we get some assets and then we do this and that. And it's all toward like a two or three year plan where you really assemble something. And as long as it's like coherent and then everyone's like matching up, then Bagley and Fox are the same age as these guys that are coming in. That's a, that's awesome. And that's the type of thing you can, I think, sell a fan base on versus, oh, let's tear it all down and, and you know, we'll rebuild. Cause it's like, well, then you're just hoping to get lucky. Right. Right now yeah. you're just like, okay, let's, we have some strategy, we have some pieces and let's build from there. I, I like that. I, I think, I think Monty will, I think Monty will be the guy. I really do. I, I think he's good. I just think that the goal I'm with you, I think that the goal needs to be for, for most franchises, you know, an eventual championship or even conference finals. And, you know, once you reach the conference finals, I forget, who had said it, I want to say it was Houston, but don't quote me on that. It's, you know, once you get to the conference finals at that point, you're really rolling the dice. Anything could happen. There's injuries that you see happen regularly. You know, Houston uh, was on the unlucky end of that. Toronto was on the other side where, you know, you were just good enough to make the conference finals. Probably not actually like a finals team when you're talking about like if Golden State was healthy, but you get a little bit lucky sometimes. But I think that your goal needs to be a team that eventually is good enough for that and the goal recently has just been to break the playoff drought. And I think that's what's kept you in the drought. Uh, Marcus, any final questions? Um, no, this has been great. But I think that's it for me. Yeah. John? Uh, no, I think um, I'm just, I'm really, I'm excited. I, I really, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good year for um, in the right direction for Sacramento. I hate, I, I remember when they were good, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember them being a, a competitive team. And like I said before, it's a good basketball city. 
And I think, and I'm a like small market, like fan guy. Like I like the small market teams to. Yeah. Cause you're John big well. 10 blue. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's, um, I think it would be, I think it'd be awesome. So I'm optimistic about the prospects for sure. Cade Cunningham in 2021. That's all I know. <laughs> no, no, no. We're getting Cade Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the last thought I have is maybe it makes sense to keep uh, Bogdanovich, even if they're able to start moving healed and moving these other pieces. Cause he's, I, I think he's, I think he's really good. And will fit in is a good piece that fits in with anybody. And then you could always trade him later. And I don't see his value diminishing that much. Right. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I, I think that you could say the same case for a buddy. Like I, I think that, you know, Bagley and Fox, while I said they're really good at running the floor, obviously lack spacing and buddy is phenomenal at running the floor an absolute track star and provides that spacing. So I think if you're actually like properly utilizing the team, which you know, this is completely a speculation by me, but with the guys that they're bringing in on the assistant coaching staff, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're just writing out one more year of Walton before they kind of just move on from him there. Um, so, yeah, I think that if you actually are properly utilizing Buddy, Bogey, that like those are very good players that are useful to have on the roster the same way I think that like Barnes is a useful guy to ride out it's just at the same time those are your best assets that I actually would be willing to move so I think that if you are looking to retool and get a little younger which makes some sense because uh, yeah I'm I think I forget who said it earlier but I think you're kind of aiming for three years down the line um which, you know, sucks to hear as Kings fans for sure. Um, but <laughs> like, it's either, you know, what would you rather, and, and I think that there's actually could be split opinions on this, but would you rather make the eight seed one year and then not make the playoffs for another five? Or would you rather wait two, three years and then make the playoffs for, you know, five in a row? Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I feel like exactly. Do you think this is Walton's last stop? Do you think this is it for him as an NBA coach? I mean, it's definitely not a good look for him in both of the spots, right? In LA, like, I guess what you could say, there's ways that you could write it off, I guess. Um, I think that if he does get another chance somewhere as a head coach, which I don't see as likely, the whole thing would be that he doesn't get to pick his own staff. Um, I think that some of the guys he brought in and him having ultimate control was a little bit of the issue. And I think you saw Sacramento change that a lot this year with some of the guys that they brought in as well. Um, but yeah, it definitely doesn't look good for him that, you know, his, the best look on his resume is coaching a Warriors team that could have done it without anybody on the sideline. Yeah, right. you know? And then LA and Sacramento both are just way worse with him compared to the, mo like either the coach right after and sure they got Anthony Davis, but LeBron was on the roster like that. That team should have been better than they were. Um, and yeah, there's other reasons you could write that off, but Sacramento specifically for Dave Yeager was a guy that was the grit and grind guy in Memphis. And he comes over and just completely changes what his general philosophy is. And Kings are one of the fastest teams in the league because they have that, that roster. And I saw the idea that sure. While, while pace is good, when you get stuck into a half court and you play a really good defense that there was nothing that Sacramento was able to do. So when Luke came in, I saw, I, I got it that it was like, okay, we're going to make sure that they know how to play in the half court. 
And once they do, like we'll bring the pace back a little bit also. And then you have a little bit of both going on and, and that's a proper recipe for success. And he seemed to, from what he was saying, be focused on long-term success. Um, but yeah, there was, it didn't need to fully disappear the way that it did it being the pace. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I would say that this is probably his last head coaching stop. And I mean, like, look at the guys that are out there that are even assistant coaches right now. They like, it's, it's so agitating that I feel like Luke is a poor coach. And then D'Antoni gets fired. Right. Uh, McMillan gets fired. And like all these different guys where I'm like, wow, these, there's so many assistant coaches in the league that I would rather have. And, and you know, they bought, they brought in Alvin Gentry. Um, they just brought in, I, I feel terrible for not remembering the name Rex uh, to Rex Kalamian, who was a uh, OKC getting considered for the OKC head coach job. So I don't think it's crazy that the next head coach of the Kings is sitting on the bench already. Yeah, it seems almost like they're like going into Los Angeles. There was almost like a perception of him as being some sort of talent development guru. And it just seems to like, I don't understand really where it came from. Like the young guys in LA did not grow under him. In Sacramento, it feels like just about everybody regressed. I just don't get where right. he gets his reputation. I think he's like a player-friendly coach. He's he's a player coach is how he was pitched at. And Jaeger's whole deal, the reason my understanding that he was pushed out of Memphis as well is while he was very successful in, in X's and O's and making sure the team got wins, which is ultimately important, he was not great at communicating with the players. And some of the players were a little vocal about that. He had issues with front offices in both of those places. So I think the idea was bringing Luke in as a guy that Vlade was already friends with, um, which again, I mean, I don't know how often front offices should just be a group of friends, but um, yeah, I think the idea was that this is a more player friendly coach, but how player friendly are you if you can't even get a phone call back from your leading scorer, you know? Right. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for joining us, Brendan. And uh, do you want to tell people where they could find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Brendan underscore Nunez, or I'm sorry, that's totally wrong. Brendan Nunez NBA. And yeah, I do the, the King's Pulse podcast. We are doing a lot of draft profiles right now, which, you know, we're into the weeds. We're doing like the 45th, 50th, 60th sort of guys right now, but totally going to be prepped for when the draft comes around in about two weeks here. And yeah, there's a lot of great content from myself and other guys at kingsherald.com written there as well. So thanks a bunch for, for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. This was a good time. Awesome. Uh, Marcus, do you have anything to plug? Um, the armory comedy, always doing shows, check yeah. out the website for what's happening. John. Uh, nothing. You can tell people here, to so. vote in 2024. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't forget to or don't get forget to vote in the special election if you're in if you're in Georgia. Georgia. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yep. Um, um, and I, of course, am at Larry the Athlete on all social media. You could subscribe to Larry Knows Sports wherever you listen to podcasts. May all of your dreams be hoop dreams, and may the rest of your days be days of thunder.